This podcast is sponsored by Vicon, the Academy Award-winning developer of motion capture products for the life science, entertainment, and engineering industries. Vicon provides cutting-edge hardware and software with the highest accuracy. Shogun, Vicon's visual effects software, developed specifically for the needs of the VFX community, captures full-body and high-fidelity fingers effortlessly in real-time and delivers robust, accurate, reliable data. Shogun now includes custom-developed virtual production tools to power your next-level project. Find out more at www.vicon.com. Oh, hello, Internet. This is Troy Baker, and I'm here with your lovely, very, very British host, Victoria Atkin. And this is the Performance Capture Podcast. So essentially, motion capture performers, like all the other performers, are here to tell stories. (laughs) And then they're like... You mean there there are actors in video games? I thought it was animation. I kind of created my position. Like nobody said, oh, you know, here you go to school to become a performance capture producer. I pretty much created my own career. I had done so much work, I felt like it was time for me to give back to the community that was so good to me. You know, the dots can tell if you're lying. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. This is season three of the Performance Capture podcast. And today I am interviewing somebody that I get to speak to on a very regular basis and who knows so much about performance capture from the creative side of things to the acting side of things to the production side of things to the money and booking people and all the other side of things. So uh, without further ado, can you introduce us with your name and where you grew up, please? My name is Sam Dodd and I grew up in Norfolk in the United Kingdom. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do, your official title and where you work? I work at Carey Dodd Associates and I am the co-owner and lead agent. And I represent actors for film, television and computer games and everything else in the industry. Great. So we can talk to you about not only video games, we can talk to you about TV and film performance capture, which is very, very exciting. Um, It is. Yeah, we ask everybody that comes on board here how they would best describe performance capture because it's such a huge umbrella and there's still so many people that don't understand what it is and I'm trying my best to make it clear um, to explain to the world what performance capture is. So in your own terms and experience, how would you best describe performance capture? I had this very conversation with my mother the other day. Performance capture, in the most basic terms, is a um, form of performance where your uh, physical movement, whether it be facial or body, is translated through um, a computer and um, and created into data. Data can then be manipulated and used in many different mediums, and it can make you look like yourself it can make you look like a creature and it enables a production to create fantastical worlds with fantastical beings wow i like that very technical i like that that's really cool <laughs> and did your mom understand that when you when you explained that mm, no <laughs> so then what did you say i showed her some of uh, andy circus's work and i showed her your uh showreel and that worked oh, cool. Oh, okay, good. So now she knows. Okay, good. Um, So how did you discover performance capture and how did you become involved? What was your first project? Well, um, way back in the day, I was a performer myself. And um, back in the early 90s, um, I started working in circus and physical performance 
And performance capture really wasn't um, anything that was even being considered as something that was viable. It was blue screen, green screen at the time. Um, I ended up um, through um, working in such a niche area, which it was then, it now isn't, making physical characters for big TV shows here in the UK, which involved actually wearing full animatronic kit. And um, through that work, the technology was changing and motion capture was slowly coming to the fore into sort of the late 90s, early 2000s. And so my work was beginning to change. So from going from wearing incredibly heavy, heavy kit um, and creating creatures through sort of almost brute force sometimes, we actually started moving actually kind of through the sort of blue screen, green screen into performance capture in its early days. Um, And it was liberating. And now, obviously, it's fantastic because you can use your body to the full degree without actually worrying about the fact that you're damaging yourself because you're having to wear very heavy kit and really create using your body, your breath and your acting capabilities, just absolutely amazing uh, creatures or um, characters. So that's kind of my journey to get to that point. I started um, working as um, a junior agent back in the mid-2000s because of my background and working also with a lot of um, SFX studios. Um, which are studios that do physical um, um, creations. Again, the animatronics and the um, uh, uh, prosthetics and that kind of thing. Um, I started specialising in finding actors that really had strong capabilities to create these characters in a fantastical world. And started working through that actually originally with film and television about looking at the possibilities of creating these creatures using the new technology that's coming up and alongside that sort of progression obviously we started having things like Lord of the Rings which is you know a classic example and the incredible work that Andy Serkis did off the back of um, Lord of the Rings really helping drive forward the technology and also as well the knowledge of what it takes to be a performance capture artist in fact you're not a performance capture artist you are an actor, first and foremost. So through that, I've worked on many different productions um, over the years. Um, I work also as a consultant. So people will come to me now and say, you know, we want to create these creatures and I will help put together, um, you know, the right movement director, choreographer, along with actors that have really strong experience. And also we're seeing a real beautiful mix, actually, between work that studios such as Framestore are doing alongside physical effects. Um, and it's blending in a, such a beautiful way. Um, His Dark Materials is a prime example of that, where they were using beautiful physical reference puppets to create um, this world. So all of the actors were working alongside an actor puppeteer with those puppets. And then Framestore... Um, took that reference material and replaced those puppets with the digital finished versions that you saw. So it was things are really beginning to meld together now. Yeah, I know Framestore. I went over there. One of the other guys 
that we interviewed, I think it was on season one, Gerardo, who now works at EA Games in LA. He was at Framestore um, for a long time and I was able to visit him and have a cup of tea and they have a, um, they have a, a stage there now, a very small one at the bottom of the building. But um, yeah, they have a motion capture stage there. So they were testing out different things. And he was talking to me about um, Paddington, the movie where they were doing motion capture for lots of the different kind of scenes and crowds um, mm. and little characters um, using that. And again, like you say, melding the, the worlds together. I mean, obviously, Paddington himself, that was a, a motion capture performer or actor. Um, and he was being digitally... Um, digitally processed and replaced when they were um, working on the film, you know, in post. So it's it is absolutely fascinating. And obviously, what's really driven this forward has been the work of computer games as well, uh, which is obviously a, a world that you're incredibly well known in. And um, it's been fascinating to really watch how quickly that technology has changed and developed to the point now where it is photorealistic, um, which is also a bone of contention because obviously people's likenesses are being used. But um, it is absolutely incredible. And the um, application of the technology is absolutely fascinating and a joy to watch. And it's so interesting as well, because if you use something that's purely animation, and that's sort of taking even out the, the performance capture of it, because the early performance capture, it was really just data that people were giving, sort of raw data that people were giving through the, the, their physical performance. Um, and that really is more of a sort of a, a flat canvas an animation. And audiences were not connecting with those characters and they were having real problems. The first Spider-Man movie is, is a prime example of that, where it, it sort of almost ended up being an animated film, whereas the newer Spider-Man movies are amazing because what, what happens is now that the data capture is so precise, you're getting a full performance. And that performance, whether it be actually under a physical mask or whether it's under the, the, the motion capture suit, lives and breathes. And it's um, the, and, and when you're watching it as an audience member, you can better connect on a subconscious level with what you're watching and believe it rather than being a flat piece of animation. It's a really interesting sort of, um, uh, you know, ideal. And um, it, it, it sort of taps into what they call the uncanny valley, because if it goes too strange, um, cats might be a <laughs> prime example of that. Then the brain goes, that's too real, but not real enough. And it just, in the end, it, it basically is, is creepy. Uh, and people <laughs> then won't connect with it. <laughs> Yeah, it's finding that balance and it just, I really love Benjamin Button and Brad Pitt's work in that. It's an interesting kind of use oh, of yes. that. I don't even know if actually that was, whether that was green screen or I guess it was facial capture and, and likeness, but I don't, I don't, I haven't ever seen any footage of him in the performance capture stage. Maybe somebody can no. message us uh, about that on the Instagram. Um, Absolutely. So I was, yeah, I was wondering... Um, as you were saying about everything becoming photo real and you talked about likeness and you and I have had these discussions many times. A question came to me just as I was talking to you about, you know, obviously Andy Serkis has made his name in this industry. Um, talking about this, you know, the connection to the material. We're talking about Paddington and things like that. The name of these types of actors and what they're doing, your puppeteers that you have and 
all these things that are making these things come to life in a really beautiful way, I still seem to not get the recognition that perhaps TV and film performers are getting. And, and is there a reason for that, do you think? Or is that be just because they're hidden behind this animation? And do you think that will change as the animation and the likeness comes through? Or what's your take on that? It is actually something that historically the industry is notorious for. They don't, not everybody in the industry, as I'm sure you will have experienced, actually understand the technology and what they're actually seeing. And they're not understanding that what they're seeing is actually a person's true performance. Um, and they're just saying, but it's animation. And um, if you go right the way back to the early days, Disney is a prime example. He was the little man with the little mouse who was up on the hill and everyone poo-pooed him. And obviously now Disney is one of the biggest forces mm -hmm. in the industry. Um, and he, you know, people are very willing, particularly when it's about technology as well, to just sort of say, oh, well, it's that thing over there. And anyone that works within it, especially as a performer, is then specialised. I know when um, I started the agency back in 2012 with my incredible business partner, Chris Carey, we both had this situation where we we trained together. We have we were child actors and we've known each other since we were 15, 16. Once we diversified, me within circus and then going into physical performance and animatronics and creatures, and Chris actually um, going into um, stunts and being um, a, a stunt performer, as soon as you did that, the industry just went, well, you're a stunt man. Well, you're just uh, a creature performer. That's what you do. And your every other opportunity is then taken away from you. And what we wanted to do when we started the agency was to start taking people out of their pigeonholes and showing them to the industry. Actually, this guy is an incredible actor. You know, this this woman that, you know, she's a fabulous aerialist, but when you give her a piece of text, she lives and breathes it. And we were very successful in doing that. But we, we had to take a leaf from Andy Serkis's book, which was to really push our clients to work in what, the, the, you know, is still called the mainstream, which is obviously high-end theatre, places like the RSC, the National Theatre, um, the Globe, those kinds of places, to really give them some credits that the industry would value. And it's awful to say that they don't value the other credits, but it's only now be people are beginning to realise what they're actually watching is a true performance and therefore ha gives that actor more value. And what is really useful at the moment is because there is a big rise in shows because of Game of Thrones, for instance, being so successful. And also as well in times when, you know, the world's going through hard times, genres such as sci-fi and fantasy really go on the rise because people want to be taken out of the daily grind. Quite understandably, nobody wants to sit there and, and weep of an evening when they're watching the TV. They, they want something that's going to take those away. So you've got amazing actors now who already have incredible status and profile that are willing to go and play characters um, that are, you know, essentially what the industry would call animated, which is, you know, you know, motion capture or under prosthetics. So you've got incredible actors taking roles in The Witcher, for instance, which is a prime example. You look at the Marvel movies and uh, you look at Groot, for instance, um, you know, mm -hmm. that 
is a and named actor. And the Hulk. So you've got fabulous actors now that are willing to make themselves look ugly as well, you know, which was another thing. Well, Benedict you know, you... Cumberbatch's performance as Smaug, I mean, that is just amazing yes. to watch. I don't know if you've seen that on YouTube, but it's just like, what the hell? Like, it's just incredible. So um, I, I just love this. I could talk to you for absolutely hours about this, as we, <laughs> as we do anyway. But um, I want to just uh, move a little bit more forward towards your favourite thing. You've discussed loads of things about this, but what is your favourite thing about motion capture? What gets you excited when you, when you book a, um, a client, maybe on a gig, or when you are you know, moving your animatronics into motion capture as an actor? What's, why do you get so excited about this? Again, it's the scope and the, um, the opportunity to really create and inhabit a character that you wouldn't be cast as in mainstream casting. Um, you can, and it's, it, I love that, the feeling when you are creating a creature particularly that moves differently. And, and I'm sorry, I'm doing it as I speak. It's, 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 <laughs> oh, I can't help myself. I wish you could have the video. What are you actually doing? Please describe it. Um, well, or? it wouldn't... <laughs> I'm, it's 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 more um, ethereal than that. I would say I'm, I'm more waving my arms around and breathing okay. and moving. <laughs> Fairy dragon. Fairy dragon. Absolutely. But yeah, there, it, it, that's what really get, makes me passionate. You can be anything, absolutely mm-hmm. anything. And for me as well, I love horror. I like fantasy, dark fantasy. So the ability to actually, because I'm, you know. Can't, I, I'm four for eight, and um, generally I get called cute. All of my life I've been cu- called cute. Stick me in a motion capture suit or under animatronics or prosthetics, and I can just be vile and revolting and no longer cute. And that's just yeah. divine to me. <laughs> yeah. And I love the, the environment that you can just immerse yourself in. That yes. you can, you know, for games that we've played, I can run along the rooftops of Victorian London, or I can you know, be in the fantasy uh, world of, of Horizon Zero Dawn or just, it's just really, yeah, it's amazing. Um, so it is. Can you tell me of any differences that you've observed between the US and the UK performance capture productions? Any big differences in approaches to castings or, um, yeah. <laughs> the money. I think we're going to say money, but... <laughs> It seems like the UK is behind on that. And I know Jessica Jeffries, who we interviewed in season one, um, has been talking about that. And, and you know, I know Equity yes. are really working hard to make these things equal. But I guess that's going to be your first answer. Well, it is. Um, we are behind. Again, I think it's also we're behind in the way that we view the performers and how we value them. And um uh, the work that Jessica has done, not only um, to get games developers to actually understand what it is that they are asking people to do and what value they should be attaching to, for instance, likenesses, etc., and buyouts and usage of that data. Um, it's the work that she's done to really get a good contract on the table, which has obviously been, you know, a godsend for an agent like myself. So that there's something that we can enforce and say that, you know, this, whilst it's not yet ratified, it's something that's becoming standard. And these are the clauses that we are expecting you to adhere to and to put into your contract, which enable us to safeguard 
um, our, our, our actors and our performers, which is exactly what needs to be done. It's still very much what we call the Wild West here in the UK oh, yeah. um, with regards to how different productions behave. And it depends on also the level of the production. You know, obviously you've got your AAAs right the way down to, you know, your small, tiny sort of um, indie games as well. So um, there's always big budget deficits you know, between the two. Know. I'm sure you've noticed as well, some of the bigger casting directors that are established in TV and film are beginning to cast my uh, performance capture projects too. They are. Um, people like Gail Stevens, um, she's been um, doing uh, several projects recently. Lucy Bevan has done a lot um, with Andy Serkis and she does a lot for big films. Um, she's cast a couple of my guys and she, you know, things like Ready Player One. Um, she's cast. Um, uh, Artemis Fowl. Um, so the, the, there's there not all of them, but there are there's a small collective of, of, of the bigger casting directors that are getting a good understanding of what's required, and also now seeing it as not something that is just okay. Well, we'll get you know ten dancers to do that. They're understanding that they actually need to cast a strong actor in the role, and that's why it's suddenly coming on their their list of people to cast. Thank goodness. Well, also know. with COVID now, the productions of performance capture are are happening. Whereas I I think you know TV and film is becoming more difficult because there's so many things that oh, so many wheels and things to touch mm. and you know production sets and. In makeup and costume and hair, which you don't have in performance capture. So there seems to be a surge of work in performance capture that perhaps, you know, TV and film, I know obviously they are getting back up and running, but it may be taking a little bit more time. So there's mm. work and money in, in this field. Um, and I just wonder whether it will, I'm sure it must do, with the technology that the world is happening and, and things that are growing and moving, that it will become on par with it if not take over from one of the biggest mediums that's happening. I don't know. I don't know how you, whether you agree or... I think what's happening actually is um, some bigger productions are taking the technology from computer games to shoot in a more COVID-secure way. So, for instance, um, I'm obviously... Before um, COVID, you had The Mandalorian. And, of course, it was shooting in a completely new way with um, the, the virtual sets, um, which is an incredible opportunity um, for film and television. And it was so successful that this is now being employed. Um, particularly as well, you can't really use extras um, so um, because, obviously, it's a huge volume of people. And testing is so expensive because, obviously you know, whilst we have the NHS in the UK, testing for production has to be a private thing because obviously you can't use public services to do something like that. And the cost of production is huge. I've seen just COVID um, coordinator budgets um, over the past uh, couple of months and it's eye-watering. So they're looking to reduce the number of people that they actually can have on sets at any one time or even in the production office. But when it comes to shooting, they're utilising now some of the technology um, that has been employed in the most recent computer games and particularly VR, that kind of thing, to really um, enable them to create these environments where it still feels really populated. Um, so it's really interesting. I don't think it will completely take over, but I think we see, we'll see a big shift to um, a collaboration of using all these different technologies, like we did originally when it went from literally physical 
you know, huge, heavy costumes to actually taking costume elements out and moving into slightly performance capture um, elements. We will see that shift again where, you know, the two different shooting methods, I think, will will become very um, uh, sort of useful as well and used. And so you and Chris uh, Carey are advocates for safe protocols for intimacy in all areas of performance. Um, yeah. Can you tell us more about the intimacy coordination and how those scenes are approached in performance capture? It is, again, another interesting area because it's something that has taken some of the um, game studios that I have worked with slightly taken them aback. It's not down to anybody wanting to do anything they shouldn't, but I think it's more down to the fact that it's just naivety um, and it's learning. So um, suddenly realising you can't ask um, a, a performance capture um, actor whilst they're on set, oh, well, we've got this scene and they're supposed to be making love in the background through a window. Can you do that? Nobody is allowed to spring these things on people anymore. The important thing is for us as agents and casting directors is the actual empowerment of the actors to actually understand that they can say no and then they can deflect um, any director to us. The education of directors, Directors UK have been fantastic. I'm not sure how many games directors are members, but they have been very instrumental in um, pushing forward really good guidelines and protocols for directors on how they approach their scripts, how they audition actors. And there shouldn't be any difference in the way that a um, performance capture actor is auditioned to a actor that's in any other medium in our industry. So, for instance, um, you know, nobody should be asked to do any scene of intimacy in an audition. Um, every, you know, if there are scenes of intimacy in a production, they must be identified prior to the casting, and therefore everyone is made aware of them, and then it's discussed. Um, the, you know, we always had nudity riders. But what we didn't have was the um, the clear guidelines that if a performer, once they get on set, if a performer's uncomfortable and changes their mind, they absolutely have the prerogative to do so. They Nobody, even if they've signed that document saying that they are willing to do that scene, they still can change their mind in that moment. And it's really, really important because that's what walks the line between a safe set and an unsafe set. Um, so, yeah, there's um, there shouldn't really be any difference in the way that they're approached. Um, and I think that there's a there's a lot of learning going on, on at the moment. I think that's the easiest way to describe it. Intimacy guidelines or anything to do with any kind of actor guidelines that you require. They'll definitely be Is there very a website, keen to help. Sam? It's directors.uk.com. That's fantastic. And so um, as we're heading towards the end of this interview, can I ask you what advice you would give to, I mean, other people wanting to get into a similar field of performance capture? So as an agent, you know, um, maybe they're not aware of the performance capture medium and they're, they're doing TV and film and maybe some advice that, or you know, things that you might want to share with your peers. And also mainly for an actor pursuing performance capture, what piece of advice would it be? What do you look for? Well, I mean, for an agent, I would say um, if you're not a member of the PMA, 
do um, have a look at joining because it's a fantastic collective. We all help each other. A lot of us have specialised areas that we have more knowledge in, and we are always happy to share to the, the you know, the, to the group, the, to the association. Um, and we help each other out immensely with regards to different contracts in different mediums if we've got more knowledge than, than another member. Um, for an actor wanting to work in performance capture, your showreel is the one of the most important things. And it's not a motion capture showreel that most people are after. They're after a strong performance reel. Um, of if, you, if you've got acting in TV and film, that's ideal. If you haven't, um, then even just something as simple as a really good self-tape can make all the difference. Because alongside things like, for instance, voice reels, um, and you know examples of maybe some work you've done in a performance capture studio, the things that people are really looking for um, and really reinforce you as a potential um, person for a role is, you know, for them to be able to assess the strength of your acting ability, what you're like on screen. Because as I say, as the mediums have now sort of been coming together, because it's photorealistic, they're really looking for a strong. Um, actor so it always comes back to the acting and I've always you know whatever whatever you're doing whether it is creating a creature or whether it's um a performance capture um sort of hero or character um or you know tv and film or even creating something disgusting that sort of bubbles out of a an egg I don't know all of it comes down to the acting because that's the origin of it and the, the origin is as a performer, it comes from the heart, it comes from your gut, it comes from inside you. And then that's what, what is, is, is shown through the medium that you're working in. Thank you so much, Sam. And finally, how can they find you or um, Kerry Dodd Associates on social media? You're on, I believe you're on Twitter and Instagram, right? I am. Um, we are, um, Twitter is Kerry Dodd ASOS because we couldn't fit in associates <laughs> they wouldn't let us and um instagram is the same so that they marry up but the only reason i'm on instagram is because you essentially made me do it uh- <laughs> <laughs> i forced you on instagram guys you can thank me um yes. all right so that's great and uh thank you so much i mean what you've shared today is you know just so generous and i'm just thankful for all of your work and contribution to this wonderful industry and i know that you're always continuing to strive for what's best for the actors and to help the producers and developers and directors. I mean, it's just, it's always a pleasure working with you. So um, thank you. And thank you for coming on and sharing, sharing your knowledge with us. Thank you very much. It's always a delight to talk to you. Thanks, Sam. Earlier in Sam's interview, she mentioned the PMA. For those of you not familiar with this UK-based organisation, it stands for Personal Managers Association. And it's a membership organization for agents who represent actors, writers and directors working in film, television, theatre and radio. If you want to find out more, visit their website at thepma.com. Season three of the Performance Capture podcast was recorded and edited at Soundbox Studios in Los Angeles. Soundbox LA is the founding studio in the Soundbox Studio Group, a collective of talent-owned and operated boutique voiceover studios with multiple locations in the Los Angeles area and Southern Colorado. You can find out more at soundbox.la. We'd like to send out a huge thanks to Soundbox Studio City's very own Ryan Riveros for editing the episodes of Season 2 and now Season 3. The multi-talented Ryan is also the composer of our theme music. <laughs>